0: Okay, so we've got a bunch of text messages coming in here. Let me just see what we've got. Uh, interesting one here. Ooh, okay, going back to – okay, oh, here we go. All right. <laughs> scrolling back, scrolling. Okay, the finding of the boy I can imagine his guardian angel keeping him safe those three days. Mm. A true miracle. I'm sure many prayers had been going up to heaven. Uh, That's an absolute fact right there. I think it was one of those stories that, you know, it sort of catches the attention of the entire nation and it galvanizes the nation to action and to prayer. I know that Mm. I was certainly praying for that kid and I suspect that a lot of other people were as well. And we've got a great answer to prayer right there. Um, In relationship to the Texas abortion bill, Biden's abortion action, he obviously doesn't care about children. Um, I wonder which satanic temple he goes to. Well, you know, we've got no evidence that uh, Joe Biden goes to a satanic temple, and that might be a bit of a long shot. But I get the, I, I, I get the idea behind it, because he's certainly uh, following the same policy there as we outlined this morning. Um, unless the doctors in the abortion clinics repent, the suffering of all the children he or she has killed, they will suffer in the lake of fire. Not sure how it's going to work. Doesn't the government supply? The funds for free abortions. It's legal to fund abortions, but not legal to do them in Texas. Yes, that is my understanding. Like you said, what a great bill and how it was presented.
1: Interesting. Okay. Yes, indeed. Interesting, in- in- interesting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I know what Lawson's thinking right now, and I'm thinking,
1: yeah, man. No, I'm not, not <laughs> even. Sure <I'm not> sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. September 11, the start of the visible New World Order. Did you notice how it brought all the religions in America together at least for a while and gave the ability for President Bush to push the world on, put the world on notice? Uh, you are with us or you are against us. Mm. Since then, our freedoms have been taken away slowly but surely. Today, we can't leave home unless the government says it's okay. Welcome to the New World Order. So, New and so orderly, out of chaos, it's coming like a phoenix. Our safety is always the operative word. It's okay. Jesus is just about to rise from his throne.
1: Amen. I'm going to disagree with this one. Oh. Okay. I was saying amen to the point that Jesus is coming soon because I really want that to happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to say that there have been three world-changing events in my lifetime. Uh Uh-huh. The current one is the COVID pandemic. Uh-huh. the previous one was nine eleven and these are world changing uh events in relationship to uh the impact on religious liberty uh fulfillment of prophecy you know all of these kinds of aspects now I'm going to say that the new World Order was actually formally announced by george Bush senior mm and that was the end of the Cold War.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, I'm
0: going to I'm going to I'm going to date the start of the visible new world order from the beginning of the end of the Cold War. So just 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 a split hairs this morning mm. with our text, I don't think he's going to disagree yeah. with me in any way shape or form. I'm going to date it to 538 AD. <laughs> <laughs> I will argue that point with you. Uh, but yeah, these are three big events that I've seen in my lifetime. Uh, you've seen what two or one? So, well, wow.
1: Yeah, I was alive during September eleventh, yeah. but so I've seen one, I didn't you've seen one. It, yeah
0: Um mm. but both the person who's texting here and myself have seen all three, and all three of them have resulted in a loss of liberties and a trajectory towards the fulfillment of Revelation chapter thirteen. Mm. Yeah. Uh did you just hear the news? Looks like we won't be able to see our families. Until we are vaccinated, no coercion here. I think that's a sarcastic uh, comment. That last one right there, <laughs> I think is actually stating that there is a lot of coercion here, and this is this is a this is a growing issue, and it is becoming more serious by the day. Um, and this is an issue that I would encourage people to you know to write to their local MP about because we do need to support freedom of conscience. Mm. Regardless of whether we are pro-vax or anti-vax, freedom of conscience is a much higher value and any free society understands that. And so whichever side you are on, pro-vax or anti-vax, um, then I would say that now is the time to you know write to MP, do something about this because the restrictions are coming in and they are increasing in severity. Now, I am going to say this. We've got uh, Michael Worker coming on Thursday on the Mm -hmm. show, Thursday morning on the show. He's the Director of Religious Liberty uh, for our church in Australia. And uh, I would encourage you to send me – we've already had some people send some questions through because I did announce this earlier, but send me your questions. Send me the questions that you would like me to ask Michael Worker and uh, we will pass those questions on to him. Uh, so that uh, we can we can get some answers and some clarity on this particular issue of mandatory vaccinations from a religious liberty perspective. Mm. All right, let me see here. We've got more text messages, more, 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 more.
1: Dude, they all just flooding in? Well, we were sitting in here, um, yeah, during yeah. the songs and the <laughs> news. Phrase <probably just> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. like going on. Um,
0: so Stuart texts in. He says I had a conversation with very pro, uh, very pro. Very vocal pro abortionist. He did not buy the argument that a genius could be killed. And so the argument here is that, you know, when you abort a child, how do you know you haven't just uh, aborted the next genius that is going to become somebody like a, uh, you know, somebody that invents a cure for cancer and saves the entire yeah. world? And he didn't buy that. Um, and oh, text message is coming so, through fast. Now I've got to scroll back up to where I was. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we? Nope, not there. Not I, there gone uh, yeah, too
1: far. We read this one, Michelle. Essentially what he was saying like, was he said, oh, yeah, so to counter that, then I'll just have an extra kid, and if they don't turn out all right, then I'll abort them when, <laughs> yes, they're, yes, when yes. they're later in life. Uh, I counted with that. With
0: I had the problem solved by having four children. I could always have bought one later in life if they didn't turn out
1: okay. <laughs> Obviously it's, it's a joke. It's like meant yes. to point out that just the – is this ludicrous? It is. Also, Absolutely that, a ludicrous argument. That argument that's like, oh, yeah, a genius could, you know, what if you were abort a genius? The same argument is made by people who are, like, pro-AID, like pro-international aid, who are usually pretty left-wing and pro-abortion. They make that argument about why we should, like, support, you know, aid going to Africa and, yes. you know, propping up those countries and, and doing all this, like, international work. Yeah, like on their very own doorstep, they're supporting like yep, an even higher domestic source of death and the hypocrisy is oh, just astounding. Yikes.
0: And you know, you've got a great example. Lawson and I were discussing this during the um, during the break we had a moment ago. You've got a great example in Australia. Australia is a perfect example of why abortion is a bad idea mm. because essentially, you know, what they did when they founded Australia was, you know, England looked at themselves and they're like, okay, how can we get? How can we lower the percentage of uh, low socioeconomic people in our country. If we get, all of, get rid of all of the low socioeconomic people, in other words, get rid of all of the losers, mm. then our country will be much better. So let's um, ship them out to Australia for any kind of menial offence, whatever it might be. steal half a loaf of bread, you're off to Australia. And so that's what they did. So they shipped all the losers to Australia. What a great country we have. And then we beat them in the Olympics. Oh, <laughs> smashed them. And regularly in the cricket. Um, you know, it was the biggest ever eugenics failure of all time. Yeah. But that's what it was, and that's what abortion is right now. It's just simply eugenics. And Joe Biden said that. Mm-hmm. He said this is about uh, people from low socioeconomic environments or people of colour. Yeah. You know, uh, half of the people of colour in the United States have been wiped out due to abortion. Their population would be double what it is right mm-hmm. now if abortion did not exist. Anyway, <laughs> uh, continuing on here, this one comes from Brayden. It is sad that the US government is willing to spend more money and effort to allow people to commit infanticide than it is of actually helping the people this That's affects right. both mother and child not to mention the effort that they are putting in trying to bring missionaries back from Afghanistan this world needs our prayers more and also more and more but also our, our action mm. uh, continues on I also thought that the news that we can go to pubs once fully vaccinated was such a lovely incentive not, but <laughs> it will work for many people unfortunately we need to promote a healthy lifestyle uh, one that is going to increase rates of, uh, sorry, one that is not going to increase rates of depression that are already spiking due to lockdowns. Yes, the worst place that you can go and the worst thing that you can do uh, once lockdown is over is go to the pub. Dude, it's the oh, worst thing for your mental health.
1: Like the bottle shop is full of people. Like we live down the road from like a massive bottle shop. Uh, not live, we like our studio is. Yeah. And it's I was I was there because you know there's like the Woolies beside it or whatever, and it is full of people.
0: That's the first thing that should have been closed during lockdowns. Anyway, Vincent says, Vax mandates are emotional, blackmail, bullying. Jesus is coming soon, in capital letters, Mm. screaming it out. So I think that's all of our text messages. We've got some great messages coming from you guys this morning. Um, And and so, yeah, we just appreciate hearing from all of our listeners. If you would like to send your message through, the number is 0491 064 669. Let us know what you are thinking about the subjects that we've covered today.
1: You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All
0: right, Bible study time. Let's get into it. Let's go to the book of Leviticus. You weren't expecting that,
1: were you? I kind of was. Are oh, you were? already told me what oh, we were doing? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you already you already said, we already had this conversation, Lyle. Okay, but so what is
0: the book of Leviticus all about?
1: It's about, um, well, a bunch of like temple rituals and sacrifices no, and feasts. No, it's not. But it's, you know. It's, no, it's but not. Then, but then no, the book of Leviticus is about, not about that. It's, it's about, about Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yes, we know that. Did you get that from the book of Leviticus the first time you read it? No. Like that's, <laughs> that's why I, I gave it. It's, it's more, I, particularly for those writings, the book of the Le- for Moses writing the book of Leviticus, and for those receiving the book of Leviticus, they did not know it was about Jesus Christ. True, but did they know it was about redemption? Yes, I would say yes. Yeah, which but that's the whole temple's about redemption. That's right. Which is, this is what all the Leviticus is about.
0: Let me tell you about the first time I read the book of Leviticus. In fact, I'd love to hear from our listeners this morning. What happened to you the yeah. first time you read the book of Leviticus? Let me tell you the story. So I become a new Christian and, uh, you know, I'd sort of grown up in, in a Christian home, but I became a Christian for myself. Decided I'm going to read the Bible mm-hmm. as you do Classic. when you become a Christian. Starting start Genesis. Genesis. Yep. Yep. Where you do. That was great. Struggled briefly through all of the big acts, but that didn't last too long. I actually found it kind of interesting. Yeah. To be honest. Um, And then, you know, loved Genesis, so much history right there, always loved history, got into Exodus, so much history right there. A few places where I was sort of scratching my head like, oh, that's pretty detailed, what's going on here? Yeah,
1: like the tail end of Exodus, it's like, oh, Uh lots uh of rules. Uh uh Uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh, and then I hit Leviticus, (laughs) and I'm like,
0: what on earth is going on here? What just happened when I hit Leviticus? It was just like, and then you do this, and then you do that, and then you do this and this, and you do it in this way, and then you do it that, and and, and it's just like doing my head in, and I'm like, what does this have to do with the Bible? Until you know, I struggled my way through it, and uh, quite enjoyed Numbers and Deuteronomy for the most part, mm. and uh, was up and running from there. Uh, until I think I struggled with some of the middle chapters of Isaiah, particularly in the first half. Oh, yeah, the later chapters of Ezekiel were a bit mm. solid, but the rest of the Bible was just great. Yeah, you know, there's a few bits there that are like, ooh. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so that was my experience. What was your experience the first time you read Leviticus? Mm. However, later. I came to study the sanctuary service. And when I did, the book of Leviticus came alive. Mm. And I found that the book of Leviticus is a bit like the book of Revelation. It's full of symbolism. Mm. With Revelation, once you start to, and the apocalyptic chapters of Daniel, once you start to decode the symbolism, it is mind-blowing stuff. Yeah. It is so fascinating. It is so interesting. Mm. And Leviticus is equal to Revelation in that respect. Mm. Once you start to decode exactly what is going on within this book, it will just do your head
1: in. Yeah. I think what's kind of tough with Leviticus compared to Revelation is Revelation is so obviously symbolism, and it's talking about such hectic things it's like oh and there's a dragon and there's a beast and there's oh, blaze yeah. and da, da, da. So who doesn't who doesn't like dragons and beasts and so it's it's so obviously symbolism it's so like oh yeah that's what this book is about whereas you hit leviticus and as a first time reader you're like um and they did this and then they took this lamb and then they went to this mountain and then they yes, the difference between the two <laughs>
0: is the difference between watching a sci-fi movie or reading tax law
1: yeah, that's right. That's, a, <laughs> Leviticus, that's the thing, because Leviticus has that real world application of it's just, it, it is in essence, yes, in, in in its symbolism and everything, it's pointing to Jesus Christ. It's like the deepest thing, the most amazing thing. But in its literal reading of the text, it's just like, oh, and then you do this. Uh, so it can, it can, yeah, you can get caught. But I'm sure what we're going to talk about today is the epic symbolism. We are. Yeah,
0: we are. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 4. And we're actually going to start fairly early on in the chapter because we're going to talk about the sin offering today. Mm. And so Leviticus chapter 4, and let's go to, because there's an important principle that we're going to outline as we begin uh, our study of this particular subject here.
1: Um, nah, we'll, we'll go down to verse 32. Let's start in verse 32. Leviticus 4 and verse Thirty-two. The Bible says, if the people bring a sheep as their sin offering, it must be female with no defects.
0: Okay, so first of all, they are to select a lamb. Mm. Uh, It says lamb in the King James Version, a lamb without any defects. Mm. Uh, This lamb is going to be a symbol of Jesus Christ. And it continues on. Read for us verse 33 down to the end of the chapter.
1: In verse 33, the Bible says, they must lay a hand on the head of the sin offering and slaughter it at the place where the burnt offerings are slaughtered. Then the priest will dip his finger in the blood of the sin offering and put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offerings. He will pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Then he must remove all the sheep's fat, just as he does with the fat of the Sheep presented as a peace offering. He will burn the fat on the altar on the top of the special gifts uh, presented to the Lord. Though this process, sorry, through this process, the priests will purify the people from their sin, making them right with the Lord, and they will be forgiven. This is interesting because when you read through the book of Leviticus,
0: you find that typically it is very prescriptive Mm. and not necessarily very... Descriptive, mm. so it prescribes this is how you do this, but it doesn't always say why. Yeah, this passage gives you the why, it gives you one of those little insights, and of course the assumption there is that if there is not a lot of why in there, then this is something that the Israelites would have uh, would have well known mm. and understood uh, at that at that at that particular time and down through history. But this one is so important that it gets into the why. Mm-hmm. Very descriptive of what is taking place, not just prescriptive. And the Bible says that this lamb is to die um, and that when the lamb dies, the priest will make an atonement. That word atonement is a word that was actually created so that the Bible could be translated because there was no English word for it, and it means at one moment. Mm. So the death of the lamb would make you at one with God. And the reason that it would make you at one with God, because it goes on uh, to make atonement for his sin that he's committed, and it shall be forgiven him. And so the Bible says that the death of the lamb is going to provide forgiveness for your sin. Mm. And so we've got quite a bit of description here. Uh, We probably should take a moment to work our way through this uh, particular ceremony, this particular story, so that we can understand, you know, some of the insights as to what is going on. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, a person sins. Mm. Uh, This, of course, is written to the Israelites in the wilderness, and so we're going to put it in the context of the wilderness. And so when the person sins, the the first thing the person is going to do is go outside the camp. And they're going to find their sheep outside the camp, and their sheep are going to be mixed with everyone else's sheep. How do they separate them? They call them by name. And how do you get to have a sheep that will come by How do you train a sheep to come by name?
1: Um, You feed it food by hand. From birth?
0: Yeah. You've got to raise it as a pet. Mm. That's the only way you can do that. And, of course, you can go to the Middle East today. You know, when we were travelling through Iran, you would find, you know, we'd be travelling down the freeway, you know, in the big coach and whatnot, and you would find marching down the freeway in the middle of the road, a huge flock of sheep, and the shepherd out at the head of that flock of sheep leading the sheep. Mm. You don't see that in Australia.
1: Yeah, you see We, dogs we, we get behind the sheep, <laughs> yeah.
0: dogs, motorbikes, drones, helicopters. That's how we do it in Australia. Yeah. And we push the sheep. Over there they lead the sheep because they raise the sheep by hand and the shepherds over there in Iran are actually um, very nomadic mm. and they just follow the grass all the way around the country. Mm. And they've got a right to just head on down the freeway with all of their sheep, and you just got to slow down. <laughs> and the sheep will sort of all move to one side, and the bus moves through, and then you keep going again. And shepherd's just out there striding ahead of his sheep. That's just how he lives his life. And when at the end of the day, he, he finds a safe place for them, and I guess he just lies down and sleeps with them wherever it is. Mm. A lifestyle that has not changed for thousands of years, and even has even carrying that traditional um, shepherd's crook, you know, with the hook oh, okay, on yeah, 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 just, just, just. It's really fascinating to see. But the important point here is, and the thing that we need to remember, is they are not just selecting a random sheep. Hmm. This is a pet. And so to understand what's going on in this parable and to understand the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us and how horrific sin is, Maybe as we're looking we're thinking about this Bible study, think about this Bible study in the context of your pet that you love.
1: Mm. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different.
0: Alright, now back to our Bible study. Yes. You're leading that lamb through the camp of Israel. What's the Camp of
1: Israel thinking as you do so? Ooh, he sins. Uh-huh. Unless you like pulled off to the side and Sold it to someone or something.
0: Yeah, but then you come to the, the center of the camp and there's uh, about a half mile wide open space before you get to the temple and you're walking across that yeah. to the temple. Yeah. Now, what's everybody thinking? Yeah. Oh, he sinned. Yeah. Yeah. What's that illustrating? Um, Dude, like. Don't try and hide your sin.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Be sure your sin will find you there's out. There's
1: this level of accountability. Of course, the people don't know exactly what they've done, what that has no, done. No. No. But the person does, yeah, and they are being reminded you can't hide your sin. so humbling, eh? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like it's a, it's almost a good experience, you know, like just, just understanding oh, and knowing that, oh, hey, like people are people and they need God,
0: like, and you mm-hmm. would, you would be there, understanding that God is looking down and God sees you and God sees your sin, and you know, there's, so, a, there's a big, wide open space here, mm-hmm. and I'm all out here by myself with my sheep. Mm. All right, then you walk into the sanctuary. How do you feel now? What are you surrounded by? A white sheet. Yes. So now you are blocked from view and you would have that level of privacy now. Mm. And what is that illustrating right there? Well, white is a symbol of what?
1: Righteousness. Whose? Jesus' righteousness.
0: Yes. Yes. You've come into the sanctuary to find forgiveness for sin. You are surrounded by the righteousness of Christ. And so whatever people were thinking up until that particular point as you're walking over that wide open space, that is now no longer relevant because they can no longer see you. You are invisible to the outside world. Your sin is invisible to the outside world because it is surrounded by the righteousness of Christ. When people look across that wide open space to see you and to see your sin, all they see is that white wall Mm. which is a symbol of the righteousness. Righteousness of Christ. Mm. Great illustration. Then you lay your hands on the head of the sheep and what do you do? You confess your sins. You confess your sins over the head of the sheep. And so symbolically the sin is being transferred from you to the lamb. Mm. What is the wages of sin? Death. Before this happens, who has to die? You. And once the sin is transferred to the lamb, what has to happen to the lamb? It has to die. But has the lamb done anything wrong?
1: Nope.
0: Lamb is a hundred percent innocent. And if you want to see an innocent creature, then yeah, lambs are pretty innocent creatures.
1: Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Sometimes they get cheeky and jump on other lambs and headbutt people. Yes.
0: But they're pretty they, you know, they're they're yeah. very they're seen as being the the most innocent of the innocent uh mm. creatures. So once the sin has been transferred from you to the lamb, what do you have to do? You have to kill it. have to cut its throat. Mm. And hold it down, cut its throat and wait while it dies. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. I want you to think about that, maybe not in the context of a lamb because that might be meaningless to you. It might not be. But in the context of your pet, how would you feel? You've got your pet looking at you with those big brown eyes like, why are you doing this? Mm. And you have to take its life with a knife and catch some of its blood in the bowl That's really really horrific why do you think that god had such a graphic illustration of how bad sin was
1: mm. to help us understand the penalty of sin like and what it actually causes because like eventually like if the lamb doesn't die that death then you do mm. like that's that's the the reality is sin leads to death that's what we look forward to as as sinners with no savior
0: And it points forward to Jesus Christ. So think about how bad sin must really be that it took the sacrifice, the self-sacrifice of a member of the Godhead to get rid of it. Mm. That's the ultimate sacrifice right there. So sin is just ultimately just the worst. Mm. Okay, and then the priest um, uh, takes the blood, takes it into the... Holy place, sprinkles it on the vial that separates between the holy and the most holy, sprinkles it on the floor uh, between the two, and puts it on the four horns of the golden altar. And so basically the sin is being transferred from you to the lamb, to the blood, to the holy place. Mm. Then the lamb is sacrificed, and when the
1: lamb is sacrificed, all of the fat is cut out of the lamb. Why Why, did, why is the fat cut out? Um, Is it just because it's like not... Needed or used,
0: or no, it's an interesting thought. Well, partly it is, yes, because yeah. the priest would eat the sacrifice, yeah, but the fat they would not eat, um, and you know, all of the you know, extra pieces they wouldn't eat because that would be burned on the altar. And in the Bible, fat was a symbol of sin, mm. and so it's a symbol of when you take out the uh, take out all of the fat. It's a symbol of taking out all of the sin, mm. uh, from your life. You're not, you're not, le- you're not hanging on to or keeping any sin whatsoever at all. Okay. So then you as the sinner, when you walk out of the sanctuary, how much, how much sin is there on you? None. Will those sins that you have confessed ever have any relevance to you whatsoever, ever again at all? Not to your salvation. No. None whatsoever at yeah. all. They are gone. They will never, ever affect you again because they have gone into the sanctuary, which is the place where God deals with sin.
1: Mm.
0: Okay, so now, now let's go over to John chapter 1 and verse 29, and let's read a passage over here that we all understand so well, but let's put it in a bit of context. 1, 20, 1, chapter 1 and verse
1: 29. John chapter 1 and verse 29, as I find it on the page. Uh, the Bible says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay, hold that thought
0: for a moment. interesting text message just came through. The same goes for the Catholic Confession. As you go to the cubicle, everyone knows you have sinned. And after all that, your sins are not really forgiven. Oofed. Oofed. (laughs) Because you need to go to Jesus Christ if you want forgiveness for sins. You don't go to a priest... Yeah, Go to Jesus Christ. Mm. So you have the humiliation of going to the cubicle and then you're just talking to a priest. Go talk to
1: Jesus. Yeah. You may as well be on Twitter just announcing that you are a terrible person. (laughs) But what does that solve? Like nothing. Wow. Mm.
0: But here we've got John and John says, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. And when John said that, nobody had any idea what he was talking about. We all just assume, oh, that's Jesus. He died for us. Mm. But they weren't looking for a saviour who would die. But that's what Jesus did, and He did it for every single one of us. He is our redeemer. You're listening to the Breakfast
1: Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Starting that. Starting it. So, yes. <laughs> but all right, our question of today, today of of the day, today is Sky wants to know. Okay, what's the deal with the little horn in Bible prophecy, and how does it play a role in end time events? Is it like? all right, or is it like bad, bad?
0: Yes. That's a question that we could spend probably the rest of the year on. (laughs) So let me summarise it very, very quickly. The little horn is otherwise known as the Antichrist of Bible prophecy. In Revelation chapter 13, the Antichrist is called the beast. And as you come down to the end of Revelation chapter 13, you look at your end time, um, your, your end time, Passages right here. The Bible says that you've got the second beast, uh, based you know, in, with the United States, who deceives those that live on the earth by the means of those miracles which had power to do in the sight of the first beast, saying to those that live on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had a wound by a sword and did live. And so, this is your first thing that you're going to see happen in this process. Is that you're going to have a carbon copy of the Vatican style of government being formed in the United States. And so this is a union of, re- of, of religion and politics together. It's a union of church and state, and it's a restriction on religious liberty. And so we should expect to see restrictions on religious liberty, restrictions on freedom of conscience taking place in Western countries the closer we get to the end of time. Mm. And as we've kind of discussed with some of our text messages this morning, you know, that has been a process that has been happening pretty much since the end of the Cold War. Uh, With the major events, every time there's a major event that happens, uh, things get a little bit tighter each time, and we continue to see it now um, taking place. It continues on there in verse 15, "...he had power to give life to the image of the beast, the image of the beast should both speak, and force that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed." And so this is how far it will eventually go. The Bible says that uh, not only will religious liberty, union of church and state be formed, but religious liberty will be uh, removed to the point that worship is actually enforced under the death penalty. It goes on to talk about uh, financial restrictions against people here. They're not being able to buy and sell, probably losing their job, all those kinds of things, unless they receive the mark of the beast. And we can see precursors to that. The, the, the vax is not the mark of the beast. We need to be very, very clear on that. But in this vaccination situation, you can see how something like that, which is the mark of the beast, the vax is not, but something that actually is the mark of the beast, could be so easily enforced mm. and so easily have the support of the majority of the world. And so, you know, there's just... You know, we need to stand up for, for religious liberty. So this is probably your big picture right here as to what is happening the closer we get to the end of time. And so is it going to be bad the closer we get to the end of time? Indeed, it is going to be bad. The Bible describes it as being like birth pains. Mm. And, you know, no woman out there ever looks forward to birth pains, labor pains. But they do look forward to that blessed moment when they hold that lovely new baby in their arms. And so many women out there go through those labour pains and they know what it's like now because they've done it once and then they go back and do it again.
1: Mm.
0: Why? Not because they enjoy the pain but because of how great what comes after the pain actually is Mm. and how amazing it actually is. And so because of that, yeah, they go back again and they'll have more children because they just love that experience of love. And the Bible describes it as being like labor pain. So there's going to be some tough things to go through, some pain to go through. But the blessing and the joy and the love that is experienced at the end of that when Jesus returns will completely wash away all of that pain. And so you know, some people get a bit anxious about the future and like, oh, you know, this could happen, that could happen. There's no point being anxious about the future. Our future is in the hands of God. Now, if you really want to get down into the nitty-gritty of the end-time events, you get down to the death penalty here in Revelation 13. After that, you have the seven last plagues that come in Revelation 15 and 16. They come one after another. As a part of the seven last plagues, you have an event where this union of church and state collapses, it falls apart, the new world order disintegrates, and it turns on itself. You've got a coming together of spiritualism. You've got a coming together of evangelical Christianity and Protestant Christianity. And you've got a coming together of Roman Catholicism to unite in our world just before the return of Christ, and to unite to get rid of religious liberty and religious freedom. And we are seeing that. We are seeing you know, on the left you've got spiritualism fighting as hard as they can against religious liberty. On the right you've got uh, evangelical Christianity fighting as hard as they can for union of church and state. Mm. Both of them are fighting for exactly the same thing. They are both fighting equally for the fulfillment of Revelation chapter 13. Mm. And so we need to recognize that. We need to see what's happening in our world right now and know that all of these signs are signs that Jesus is coming back through, back soon. And the Bible says, I mean, when you get that kind of a, a mix of religion and politics together, it's a toxic mix, and you know that it can't last long. The Bible says it lasts a very short space of time, and then it all collapses just before Jesus returns.